is imperative for us. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that I've noticed in the body of Christ, just off of observation, just hanging back, just watching from afar, and just being slow to speak and quick to listen, is sometimes I believe because we don't understand the ways of God, we wind up fighting with God. We wind up fighting with God thinking it is us in warfare with the devil. And I believe the re- did y'all hear that? I don't know about you, but that's heavy. That's heavy to me. I need that. I need you to say like that. I need you that to sit in your spirit. Because what that does is, is if I am, if I have misunderstood the ways of God, if I don't understand how God operates, because his ways are not our ways, nor his thoughts are thoughts. As high as the heavens is, he don't do stuff like we do it. Many times when he's doing something, he will never do it like we would have done it. So many times that frustrates us because God is doing what he said, but he ain't going to do what he said like we would do it. Or like our mama would do it, or like our grandmama would do it, or like our family. He's going to do it, but he's not going to do it our way. And because we don't understand the ways of God, we wind up waging warfare instead of submitting to God. And what I'm telling you is it's a battle you can never win. We'll never beat God. So we wind up in conditions, states, and in places much longer than we need to be many times simply because we've misunderstood how God operates. Amen? And so what I want to do is, as I'm still dealing with the revelation of return, I'm still dealing with that, that same thing, is uh, I want to deal with out the revelation of return, I want to, to deal with um, who stole my offering. I want to deal with what comes after your offering and what does that mean? Amen. What comes after your offering and what does that mean? As I believe that this is a time that those who are tapped in, flowing in God, what they are preaching, what they are depositing, what they are directing God's people to do is to return to God. Amen. We have we have to return to the Lord. Amen. I, not, I know that there's some people that need to return to the Lord. You never left church. Amen. You, you never left you never left your, your confession of who you said was Jesus, who, who you said was Lord, what have you. But, but many times it's so easy for us without realizing it to leave God. God will never leave us. But we have a hard time not leaving him. And a lot of it has to do with our frustration with what, how he does what he does. And our misunderstanding of it. Amen. And so what I want to do is I want to clear some things up while I'm dealing with returning to the Lord, because I believe that that's what we need to do as a people. We need to return to the Lord. Um, And I'm going to come back out of the book of the prophets. This is going to be a season two where it's necessary to preach out of the prophetic books. Amen. This is a season and a time where people need the prophetic word of God, not just personal prophecy. They need the corporate prophetic preach word of God. Amen. Not word about what you're going to get, but word about who you're called to be. Word that prophesies you into the personhood of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Amen. And so I'm going to deal with this word today. And I believe it's going to bless you good. And I'm going to deal with a topic, again, that's been shied away from in our current Christian movement um, that is going to take the forefront again for those who are remnant, for those who are really called to God. 
This word that I'm about to share, that I'm going to be teaching on, is going to take the forefront of that. That word is judgment. Amen? That word is judgment. I know we've made, the, 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 the enemy has made it almost seem like that word is a bad word in the church. Amen? That, that, that ain't what God, God don't, if you're going to talk about God, don't talk about judgment. If you're going to talk about Christianity, don't talk about judgment. And, and I'm here to tell you right here, right now, if we don't deal with judgment, Amen. If we, if we don't deal with God being judged, amen, if we don't understand the reality of, the, of, of God as judge, we will never live in the benefit as God as Father. Did y'all hear what I said? If we don't understand God, if, God if, if we could live in the benefit of God as Father without knowing Him as judge, then, then the New Testament and Old Testament would have been flipped around. We'd have had the New Testament first. Amen. We have to get a fresh revelation on how judgment operates. Because our judgment is not condemnation. If, if God isn't judging us, it's because we are condemned. If he's judging us, he's keeping us from condemnation. If we're not being judged, we're going to hell for sure. But the average person don't even understand how judgment operates. We don't understand God's ways. So we're trying to avoid something that's going to save our life. Judgment. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Amen. And so I'm going to teach this today. I'm going to come out of the book of Joel. Joel or Joel. Chapter number one. I'm going to read two. I'm going to read this one verse once in the King James, once in the Amplified. Joel, and then I'm going to work Joel some. I suggest you read the whole prophetic book of Joel. It's only a few chapters, but it's packed with so many different things that we won't be able to touch on today. But I promise it will bless you. Uh, Joel, chapter number one, verse number four. The Bible reads this. That which the palmer worm hath left hath the locust eaten. And that which the locust has left, everybody say left, hath the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left, everybody say left, hath the caterpillar eaten. He's dealing with a judgment on Israel because of their lack of returning to him. And that judgment is coming into the fore of a fourfold locust attack that's going to eat up their crops. They're just going, whatever one type of locust leaves, the next locust is going to eat that up. Whatever that locust leaves, the next locust is going to eat that up. Amen? Joel chapter 1, verse number 4, I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version. It says, when... The gnawing locust, what the gnawing locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust left, the creeping locust has eaten. And what the creeping locust has left, the stripping locust has eaten. Now, what's the key words? In judgment of Judah. In other words, it was a judgment. Father, I thank you and I bless you right now that you speak clearly and expressly unto the people of the living God today. I thank you that your word comes today in power and might 
to plant us, to ground us, to sturdy us, to give us the foundation that we need to not only live in freedom, but to live for you and you alone. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise that we'll leave here with goodness and mercy following us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. All of God's people said amen. Amen. You may, you may be seated. Uh, now, what I want you to, to understand is I don't have time to go over the entire book of Joel, but I pray that you would read it. Amen. Read the um, commentaries on it so you can understand the background of it. But one thing we have to understand is, first of all, Joel was a prophet, and the, the prophet Joel is prophesying, and he's literally describing the judgment of God upon Judah, upon the, uh, uh, the people of Judah, which are his people. He's, he is describing him judging his own people. Amen? Bless the Lord. And, and so what, what, what the conclusion that we have to come up with is, first and foremost, is, is that God is going to judge his people. Amen? It, it's very imperative that we understand this judgment and we understand how God judges so we won't sit under God's judgment mistaking it as the devil's attack. We can't sit under the judgment of God thinking that it's just the devil attacking us because when God is judging us, he uses the enemy as the instrument. In other words, it is God's hand, the belt that he is now chasing us with many times is the enemy. Amen? He's not chasing in us to kill us. He's chasing in us to bless us. Amen? So we don't want to mistake God's judgment for the devil's attack because we'll, we'll literally spend all of our effort trying to fight off the devil. Anybody done it? I'm talking about do it for a long time. I'm, I done bound them. I done rebuked them. I done cried. I done been up. I spent all this time and I spent all this effort trying to bind the devil. Amen. And, and no time have I spent repenting to God and I find that I'm no better off for it. I'm still struggling. I still ain't won this fight. This fight is still going on. I'm still wrestling with this. And I believe it's because sometimes we have mistaken the judgment of God for the attack of the enemy our greatest weapon against the enemy is our submission to God it's not how many tongues we can beat the devil down in it's not how many ways we can bind the devil it's our willingness to yield to God what happens is this in many cases the enemy entices and influences us into actions, mindsets, ways of talking, lifestyles that bring us under judgment. He can't judge us, but he knows the types of things that can bring us into judgment. And so he comes as the enticer and the accuser to entice us into an action, a mindset, a lifestyle that will bring judgment. Then turn around and accuse God and say, look what they did. That's what he did to Adam and Eve. You shall not die when you eat of this fruit. As soon as they ate it, he turned back to God and said, look what they did. He carried out an action that brought them under judgment. He influenced them to come under judgment. Everybody following what I'm saying? Amen. Follow me, follow me, follow me. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 32. I believe that this 
verse is worth reiterating. I've taught it before. I've taught it several times, but I want to continue to teach it because I believe it's very relevant throughout the, 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 the process of what I'm going to preach today. I need you to keep this and remember this. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 32 says here this about judgment. But when we are judged, we are what? Chasing, disciplined, giving a spanking. We are chastened of the Lord. Why? That we should not be condemned with the world. Judgment is present chastening so future condemnation doesn't take place. In other words, the intent of God's judgment is to save us from eternal damnation. If God isn't judging us, then we're going to hell for sure. There's no doubt. There is no chance without God judging because it's through his judgment. He chastens us so we don't won't be what? Condemned with the world. Because if I'm lying like the world is lying, if I'm sleeping around like the world is sleeping around, and if I'm doing what the world is doing, and the only difference is I attend church, would God be fair to send that one to hell, and all they did was skip church on Sunday, but outside of that, we looked, he said, no, I got to chasten you, because if you live like they live, you're going to go where they go, so I have to chasten you to remove the judgment, because you ain't, just because you came and sang at church, is going to be delivered from the doing the same sin they're doing. So I'm going to judge you. So you won't be condemned with the world. Amen. We, 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 everybody find what I'm saying. And sometimes we're being judged and we're fighting it off. God, why is this happening? Because, God, why won't you bless me with the money? Why won't you bless me with the business? Because you will have the business and hell. Because you will have the breakthrough and hell. I'm bringing you under judgment so you won't be condemned. Because what does it profit a man? To gain the whole world. Lose his soul. What can a man give in place of his soul? Through recognizing judgment and responding with repentance... We come out from under judgment and we're brought out of agreement with condemnation. Judgment is what causes us to come out of agreement with condemnation. Amen. Judgment, the best way I can explain it is judgment is like an umbrella. Follow me. Can you get that for me? Just come here. Come and stand right up in front of me and open that umbrella up and let it on loose. Well, I'm a... Stand, stand down. You can stand down. Now, I, I hope I didn't give you a heart attack if you're superstitious. I rebuke that superstitious spirit in the name of Jesus. Hey, shut down. Hey, we bet, the pastor better not call me for that example. My big mama told me not to open no umbrella on the inside. Uh, I rebuke that. Y'all laughing because y'all laughing. Be free today in the name of Jesus. Be free today. Yeah. Listen, this is judgment. Amen? 
The only way I can be judged is if the enemy entices me and influences me to come under the umbrella. The umbrella is judgment. As long as I'm here, I'm not. He has to entice me by an attitude. He has to entice me by a way of thinking. He has to entice me by embracing a, a lifestyle, a, a, a measure of disobedience that causes me to stand here. I must stay here. If I move out from my, there's nothing. Judgment can't follow me. Amen. Do, do y'all hear what I say? Judgment can't follow me. Judgment must keep me under something that gives it the right to cause me to be under judgment. If I change my mind, there's no more judgment. If I change my lifestyle, there's no more judgment. If I stop going where I'm going, there's no more judgment. Judgment must keep me under it. Y'all follow what I'm saying? And so, so now this is what happens. The devil gets me to stand here. Amen. Because judgment is like an umbrella. Now, in the natural, an umbrella is a positive thing. In the spirit, an umbrella is a negative thing. What do umbrellas do? When I'm standing under an umbrella, it stops what's falling down from heaven from falling on my life. Y'all miss what I just said up in here. There's something that is coming down directly from heaven that as long as I'm under this umbrella, it won't land on me. It's landing around me. It's landing in front of me. It's landing. Folks are getting breakthroughs and ain't landing on me. Folks are getting free, but it ain't landing on me. Folks are getting delivered, but it ain't landing on me. Because when you're under judgment, it blocks what God has from heaven for you and you can watch your neighbor get the blessing but the blessing won't land on your life that's judgment I'm sitting next to somebody who got delivered from generational curses why am I still under one they were right next to me I was in church with somebody who got free and I'm still bound Poverty was broken off of their life. Why wasn't it broken off of mine? Because as long as I'm under judgment, whatever's coming down from heaven, it can fall around me. It can fall in front of me. I can see it. I can see it happening, but it can't get on my life. Amen. That's judgment in a nutshell. As long as I stay under this, that's it. But see, and so the enemy entices us to have mindsets. The enemy entices us to have attitudes. The enemy entices us to embrace lifestyles that are in disobedient to God, disobedience to God, that God now says, I got to keep you under a measure of judgment. I'll still save you. I'll still help you. But there's certain things that ain't going to happen because I don't want you to die and go to hell. So I'm going to bring you under that. You're not under this umbrella because you're not saved. You're under this umbrella to ensure your salvation. Do you hear what I just said? You're not under this umbrella because God don't love you. You're under this umbrella because he does because he knows if he lets everything he has for you fall on you while you're living in disobedience you'll be condemned with the world amen he's holding some stuff back because he loves you what is what if it's God holding the umbrella you can try to take it out of his hand all you want to you can try to bind him all you want to you can all try to rip it. You can try to rip it. It's not going to happen. There has to be a shift in judgment. 
But, uh, and there has to be a shift in mindset. But the good news about an umbrella, you know what it is? The good news about an umbrella is just like you pull it out, you can put it up. See, this is what I need you to understand is you can put up the umbrella today. All you have to do is recognize if it's judgment and properly respond. Because the old folks said, I was teasing you earlier, the old folks can't stand you to open an umbrella inside the house. But why? Because there is no need for an umbrella if you're in side if i'm in i don't need the umbrella all it takes is for me to get in and once i get in i can put the umbrella up what am i talking about in him we live in him we move all you got to do is get in y'all hear what i'm saying glory be to god get in the lord get in the house of god get in prayer get in praise get in Just get inside. And the big mama going to say, what you doing walking around with an umbrella on the inside? You don't need that no more. God is about to give you grace to put up the umbrella. All you got to do is get in. I need you to look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, say, come on in. Come on in. No, no, but this is the thing is, see, God's in, and I need y'all to catch this, God's in is all in. I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, all in. Stop dragging your feet, stop going back and forth, stop doing it sometimes and not doing it the other. If you're going to get in, it's going to be all in. I need some folk up in here that recognizes that when you say all in, God will release an anointing to look at the angel and say, put up the umbrella and let it rain. Put up the umbrella and open up the windows of heaven and begin to pour out blessings on their life that they shall not have. David, tell your neighbor, let it rain. Once you get in the word, in the word ain't talking about just reading it. I'm talking about living it. I ain't in it because I read it. I'm in it because I live it. But I ain't going to live it if I don't read it. So if I'm going to get in it, I got to read it to live it. If you're going to get in, you're going. this is a call back to the word of God. This is a call back to hearing God's word, reading God's word. If you ain't never memorized a scripture, memorize one a week. If you ain't not, if you don't read every day, read just, to, I don't know where to start. Just open the Bible, say, Holy Ghost, show me where. I don't care if it's Haggai. I don't care if it's Nahum. I don't care if it's Obadiah. I don't care if it's Titus. It don't matter what book it is. Because he comes in the volume of the book. It is written of him. Man shall not live by bread alone. But everywhere, I don't care where you open the book, it's going to bring you life. So open the book. Let me tell you, they've opened the book. Come on, it's time for us to go on in. Putting up, ain't no umbrellas. We don't need no umbrellas around here. Whatever falling, I want it all to smack a lot. I want to be saturated with the glory of God from heaven. I want to be blessed. I don't just want the tangible blessing. I want the oil. 
I want the strength. I want to be saturated with peace. I want to be so soaking wet with peace that when the devil breaks out in attack, God guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Man, I'd have been rained on all week and you think that little attack is going to shake me. You don't understand how wet my clothes is. I'm so anybody ever been in a downfall before without an umbrella? Anybody ever been in a heavy rain without an umbrella? You better back up off of me. I walk in the rain. Let me tell you, Dave, I walk in the rain. All right, all right, all right. Let's move. Let's move. Let's move. Let's move. Let's move. Thank you. Now watch this. So the first thing that I need you to understand is if you're in a position where there's things falling from heaven around you, but they're not getting on you, it may be because, I'm not saying for sure, but it may be because you're under judgment. But that judgment that you under isn't to condemn you, it's to make sure you're not condemned. It isn't because you're not saved. God is now, he is, he is confirming and assuring your salvation by giving you a judgment and giving you a book to teach you that judgment so you can respond the right way. This revelation is necessary because if we reject God's judgment, we will be condemned. People need to understand how God judges. Watch this. So I'm going I'm to I'm talk about the locust judgment today. Follow me for a minute. I'm going to talk about the locust judgment. And I'm going to go from Joel chapter 1 verse 4. I'm going to describe this judgment so you can recognize it. And if we need to repent, come up from under that umbrella, that's what we're going to do for the sake of the reign of God on our lives. Joel chapter 1 verse number 4. If we can go back there. Glory to God. My God. It wasn't supposed to get so hot so fast. Joel chapter 1 verse 4. Watch this. Now follow this. Follow this because it's powerful. <clears throat> that which the palmer worm hath left. Everybody say left. Hath the locust eaten. That which the locust hath left. Everybody say left. Yeah. Hath the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left. Everybody say left. Yeah. Hath the caterpillar eaten. Watch this now. This is so profound. The locust eats what the palmer worm has left. The canker worm eats what the locust has left, and the caterpillar eats what the canker worm has left. He's speaking of a judgment through a satanic entity. This is a fourfold attack aimed at consuming what's left. I'm going to say that again. It is a fourfold attack aimed at consuming what's left when we're under this judgment described by the prophet joel it releases a fourfold satanic attack where you just feel like you have nothing left whatever one leaves the other comes and gets and whatever the other leaves the other one comes and gets this attack leaves you in a condition where you just feel like you have nothing left to give 
give. You have no more desire left to even try. You ain't got no energy left. You ain't got no fight left. You ain't got no hope left. You ain't got no strength left. You ain't got no patience left. Because that which the locust ate has left the pommel worm eats. That which the pommel worm left the canker worm eats. It gets to the place where you just feel tapped out. You just feel like I ain't got nothing to give. I've given all I can. I ain't got nothing left. I tried my best. I gave my best shot, but I ain't got nothing else left to give. I know I'm preaching in the house right now, but I want you to know when we feel that way, that ain't just because of what we had to give. That may be because of a locust judgment, and that locust judgment is given the permission to always consume whatever you got left. I want to give more to God. But man, I ain't got nothing left. Anybody ever been there before? I want to give more to my family. But I ain't got nothing left. I want to give more to my marriage. But I ain't got nothing left. I want to give more to my spiritual life. But I ain't got nothing left. I want to give more to my purpose. But I ain't got nothing left. The assignment of the palmer worm, locust, canker worm, and caterpillar is to consume what we have left until we have nothing to give. Or at least we feel that way. Amen? I knew a, usually when it gets quiet like this, it's because they say, well, how did you know? This is one of those silent amens. Because the enemy knows, watch this, once he eats everything we have to give, ultimately we'll give up. I'm sending the palmer worm, the locust, and the caterpillar to eat what you got left. So you ain't got nothing else to give while life is still demanding you to give. And if I take away everything you got to give while life still demands you to give, the only thing left for you to do is give up because you, you can't give what you ain't got. This is a judgment that forces you into a place where you say, I give up. I quit. I can't do it no more. I can't take it no more. I can't make it no more. I ain't got nothing else to give. And you ain't lying. Because that which the palmer worm left, the canker ached. That which the canker left, the caterpillar ached. And now you're sitting here in a place that costs $20 to get in and all your money got ate up. But you, it's, the day still charges 20. And they ate everything I had left. Come on. Being a spiritual leader still has a charge to it. But they ate up everything I got left. Being a father has a price. But I ain't got nothing left to give. Come on. I wish I could talk to somebody in here. I know I need to pray. But I ain't got nothing even left to pray with. God, I, I know I'm all up in this house right now. I can't give what I ain't got because this judgment takes away what we have to give while we're still in a position where we got to give. So the only thing left for us to do is to what? Some of you are saying you're all right, but you're silently struggling with giving up. Ooh, I wish I could talk up in here. 
I'm glad I could hear a pin drop. No, no, you're saying you are right. You're smiling at the right times. You're saying all the religious things. But the truth of the matter is you're silently having conversations with yourself about giving up. While you're acting like everything is all right. Because you consistently wrestle with what you have to give. You're constantly fighting with that voice that's saying, I can't give anymore. That's too much. Come on. I've given enough. You know, and then, of course, you have the religious one. God has moved me on from that. In any case, you ain't got nothing left. I want you to understand something. This is not the voice of God. Come on, no, 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 this is not, that voice that you're hearing saying, give up, give in, you can't do this, you're going to have to find something else, you're going to have to change it, that, anything to get you to give up, not, no, I ain't giving up, I'm just not going to do that. No, you're giving up because of what the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, and the locust have eaten, that's a judgment. That's not the voice of God because I'm going to tell you something, and I need you to teach this, and I need you to get this in your spirit. God, life, nor the church isn't asking too much of you. I'm going to say that again. God, life, nor the church. Neither one of the three that the locust, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, and the caker want you to blame. Neither one of the three are asking for too much. You are not having conversations with the spirit of God. You're having conversations with the locust judgment spirit. Is consuming what you have to give and then telling you you can't give no more. You know, that's what that demon does. He knows what is taken. He'll take it from you and then tell you you can't do it no more. But he's the one who has consumed what you have left. It's eating what's left then lying in your ear. That's a judgment. Everybody with me? It's key that we understand that when we have nothing left to give, that we're more likely under the locust judgment because giving until we have nothing left to give violates God's law of giving. I'm going to say that again. You can't give until you have nothing left to give. Giving guarantees you'll always have something to give. That violates the law of God's giving. That cannot be true. I gave until I gave out. That cannot be true because God gives seed, y'all ain't hearing me, to the sower. Give and it shall be given to you. That's a lie. That violates all the laws of giving. Follow me today. I want to bring you out from under a judgment. And I'm going to show you why that's a judgment. Because if we use our time like the world uses their time, then we haven't redeemed our time. And if we haven't redeemed our time, we're not living like a redeemed man or woman. And if we're not living like a redeemed man or woman, maybe we're disqualifying ourselves from our redemption. I can't live like folk who don't go to church minus the blatant sin and call that redemption. Y'all following me? 
Watch this. It violates the law. You can't give until you ain't got nothing to give unless you're under a judgment, a locust judgment. That's the only way. God's laws of giving won't allow that. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, ESV. Watch this. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, he who supplies seed to the sower and what? Will do what? Supply and multiply your seed for what? And there's no way you can give seed without having your seed multiplied. We can't give until we give out. If the fact of the matter is if we give, it is now the, the surety. It is now the strength of the matter is we'll never be lacking something to give as long as we're giving. Amen? Giving outwardly unlocks God giving downwardly. Giving outwardly unlocks God giving downwardly. You begin to gain divine deposits because you're giving outwardly. And God wants people outwardly affected so he'll begin to bless you downwardly because he understands that it's not going to remain in you, but you're a giver. And there's some people that ain't positioned to get the rain. Glory be to God. There's some people that are under the umbrella and I want to get them something to them that they're not in a position to have fall on them. But I found a giver, so I'm going to give you what I need to give them and then you go and stretch your hands out to them and release the blessing of God he always gives to the giver Luke 6 and 30, 38 give and it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down shaken together and running over the purpose of praying is the fact that God gives me more passion to pray the more I pray. I don't pray until I can't pray no more. Me continuing to pray guarantees I'll never stop. I don't praise until I run out of time to pray. The more I praise, the more God gives me capacity to praise. As I give, it's given. That's why you need to praise when you don't feel like it. That's why you need to praise when you offended with me. That's why you need to praise when you got an attitude. Because the more you give, it guarantees you always have something to what? Give. Amen. Acts 20 and 35 says, it is more blessed to what? Than it is to, it is more blessed to, than it is to, why? Because as long as I'm giving, I'm going to always have something to give. I'll never give up. The devil will never be able to take all I got left. The caterpillar, the canker worm, and the palmer worm are going to have to move on to somebody else. I'm a giver. Amen. But when we're under the judgment of the locust, we give until we give out because the palmer worm, the canker worm, the caterpillar and the locust are allowed to consume what we have left. Amen. And disqualify us from the law of giving. Amen. But God is going to restore grace. Today. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. 
Watch this. Joel chapter 1. I'm going to go to verse number 9. Joel chapter 1, verse number 9. Watch this. It says this. And it connects to the, the locust judgment. The meat offering and the drink offering. Everybody say offering. Is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests, the Lord's ministers mourn. said, He's connecting this to the cankerworm, caterpillar, locust, and palmer worm judgment. He says the meat offering and the drink, what? Are what? Cut off. He says you've been cut off from the offering. He goes on and reiterates in verse 13. He says this in Joel chapter 1, verse number 13. He says, gird yourselves and lament, ye priests, how ye ministers of the altar. Come lie all night in sackcloth, ye ministers of my God. For the meat offering, everybody say offering, and the drink offering, everybody say offering, is withholding from the house of God. These verses say that the meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of God. So what that means is the locust judgment gives the demonic authority to take away our offering. This attack steals our offering or we lose the propensity or the willing desire to give offerings unto God. The caterpillar, the canker worm, the palmer worm, and the locust, when we're under that judgment, they're coming after our offering. Do you understand that my praise is an offering? That when I'm giving praise, I'm giving an offering, there is a judgment where the enemy is allowed to come after that. When I'm studying the word of God, I'm giving an offering. Can I see that? When I'm studying the word of God, I'm giving an offering. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. I'm, the best way that I can paint the picture is to now take a real offering. I have in this envelope a real offering unto the Lord. Amen? And that offering... That I have is a lot. I ain't got a little bit. I had a big offering. I'm talking big. This ain't nothing but ones. Right? <laughs> I got an offering. All of these are $100 bills. This is, it's actually $40. Amen? No, you don't. I, I chose 40 because it's such a prophetic number. Right? But it's actually $40. That $40 represents my capacity to give God an offering. Right? So when I come to church and I have my full offering, I give God $40 praise. I'm talking about everything I got. Man, I ain't staying in my seat. I ain't staying quiet. I'm running around chairs. I'm swinging on chandeliers. Sweat is bubbling out of me. Glory be to God. After a hard day, I got $40 offering. So even when I'm tired, I'm willing to read the Bible until I fall asleep reading chapters and have to wake myself up and go to bed because I have a $40 offering. I have a, when it's time to serve in the church, I don't make excuses. I don't complain in secret and then try to have a good attitude in the open. Glory be to God. I'm just willing because I got a $40 offering. So I'm willing to give God whatever God is asking of me. But then the canker worm, the caterpillar, first the palmer worm shows up. And the 
palm of worm. Takes $9 away. I watched, I watched this happen in people's lives right in front of me week after week. Right? I went down from $40 praise to $31 praise. You could tell the difference. Glory be to God. You wear it on your face. You can't even act like you want to bless God. Glory be to God. But you have at least $31 so you can make yourself do it. Amen. You know how to go through the motions. Glory be to God. You know how to continue to press in. Amen. Bless the Lord. You read your 15 minutes. Soon as that 15 minutes is up, all right, I'm ready to move on, but I'm still going to do what I got to do. But that which the palmer worm left, the locust comes. And the locust said, whatever left, I want 10 more. Now I'm done. I'm down to a $21 offering. Now I'm to the place where, look, I ain't even going to act like I want to praise God. And I'm going to treat you, pastor, when you tell us to praise God like you saying that that ain't God. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm down to, I ain't got but $21 praise. I got but a $21 offering at this point. I, look, I ain't in the mood. I don't feel like it. I don't like it. I really don't want to do it. And at this point, I don't mind you knowing to a degree. So I'm going to speak to, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I just ain't, I, I'm just here. I'm just doing what I got to do. This is my duty. I ain't got no offering. This is my duty. This is my responsibility. And, but, but at least I'm still here. But it ain't over. Because that which the caterpillar didn't left, the canker worm is coming. Give me 10 more. Now I'm down to $10. Glory be to God. Offerings is real sporadic. I don't get in the word every day. Hey Amen. I ain't seeking God like that. If the church mentions something the church is doing, Lord knows. I'm hoping we ain't got nothing to do. I'm hoping because, I, man, I ain't got the offering to do it. Hey Amen. I have that offering is the willing desire. The spirit is willing. It's a willing desire. It ain't by demand. Amen. But look, I, I don't make it to church all the time. I show up late sometimes, but I'm here. I still got $11. Oh, but my brother and my sister, you don't know, there's one more locust coming. And they're trying to get what's left. The enemy ultimately wants you to be bankrupt. You know when that happens? When you are in a ministry where you're demanded to give and you ain't got nothing to give, you know what you do? You give up. I ain't got nothing to give. I ain't got no praise to give. I ain't got no shout to give. I ain't got no desire for the word. I just need, look here. I'm all for breaks, but I don't believe in taking breaks from God. Amen. My break don't include me doing everything but the word of God, everything but prayer, everything but hearing God. That's a part of my break because I have to learn how to rest in him. Amen. But when you become one, when the caterpillar, the canker worm, the locust, and the palmer worm gotten a hold of you, you could spend seven days doing whatever you're doing without any true demand and desire to, on the presence of God and walk away saying, oh, I feel good. How could you feel good seven days and you ain't engaged God in no significant way? You ain't giving him a, because offerings ain't just something you do in church. Offerings ain't just something you do because of ministry. Amen. No, I carry this wherever I go. I got this offering while I'm riding down the street. 
I got this offering. Glory be to God. I got this offering when I'm getting dressed for work. I got this offering through my day. This ain't just something I give when I come to church. The reason why I can give it every time I come to church is because I got it. Glory be to God. That, that, that's why I give it so much. And when you have and the other person has been eaten by the locust, the caterpillar, and the canker worm, the one who has begins to get on your nerves. Now you're getting mad because folks want to give and you don't want to give no more. Now you're getting an attitude with the people that still have the right attitude. Now you want to look uh, look crazy and crooked and have your eyes slanted and you're mad at the people with $40 not understanding you are supposed to have that too, but possibly you could be under a judgment that's consumed your offering. Let me tell your neighbor, keep your offering. Let nobody take your offering. I told God I will never again apologize for how you made me. I had a conversation with God because I've been wrestling lately. And I'm saying, man, what I do offends people. Man, what, people just don't like what I do. They don't like what I represent for. They don't like what I commit, um, commit to. And now they have something else they can hang over my head to attack me because they want to use what's happening in my family and with my daughter. Now they can say, see, I told you, he do too much for this and that. And that's why his, his daughter ended up like that. I can hear your conversations. And so, man, I, I heard the conversations that people were saying in secret in my seeker's place. And as I began to hear those conversations, I began to relate to Jeremiah the prophet like never before. I, I began to relate to him because I said, God, you fooled me. I ain't choose to be like this. You made me like this. Y'all know the scripture, it's like fire shut up in my bones. That is, he was not saying that because he was ready to praise God. He was not saying that because he was ready to give God glory. He was mad at God. He was saying, God, you tricked me and I don't want to preach no more. I don't want to speak for you no more. I don't want to represent no more. Take your words out of my mouth. But he said, when I try to close my mouth, it's like fire shut up in my bones. I can't change what you did in my life. I want to stop preaching and I can't. I want to stop praying and I can't. I want to stop pushing and I can't. So I'm sorry if I keep on going and you want to sit down. I didn't choose this. God said don't apologize to another one that's mad at you for being you. Because they just mad at me because I made you like that. So every time I deliver somebody on Telegram, I'm going to post it. Even though for some of you, it makes you mad. Here you go again. Why don't you talk about something else? Why don't you focus on something else? Why don't you use some power? And stop getting mad at the one who is and recognizing perhaps he's opening a door. Perhaps he's the point man. Y'all ain't hearing me. I wonder anybody heard. Perhaps he's the point man to say, y'all come on in. I said, I'll never apologize again. Let them say what they're going to say. Let them talk about me. 
Let them call me whatever they want to call me. Glory be to God. But I will not burn like I've been burning. Glory be to God. That stuff is just to tear you up. Come on. Anybody ever had a fire inside of you? Glory be to God. I'm telling you right now, if I don't do this right here, I am like, glory. I'm literally breathing fire right now from what the way God is stirring in my spirit. I ain't holding that back for nobody. I ain't apologizing for that. This is the Lord's doing. Watch this. Watch this. So if y'all get mad, when I put on people get delivered on Telegram, boy, y'all ain't seen nothing yet. Wait till next week. (laughs) Then you're going to really get mad when other folks start posting it. If that get on your nerves, go with God again. What you want me to go with? Joel 2.25. Watch this. He says this. And I will restore to you. Joel 2.25. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army. No, you know what? Let me jump here. I'm going to stop on this one. I may not even get to that one. I think I'm going to stop on this one. Let me jump up a little bit. I ain't even going to get to that last one. That's just too much for you. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Go there. Forgot the last one. Joel chapter 2, verse number 12. It says here this. Therefore, also now, saith the Lord, turn. Come on, we read this last week. Or return ye even to me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. And rend your heart and not your garment and turn unto the Lord your God. Verse 14, who knoweth if he will return and repent? Watch this now. This part, bless me. And leave a blessing behind him. But watch what the blessing is. See, we talk about even a meat offering. And a drink of, God says, in this season, I'm going to bless you with an offering. Glory be to God. He said, a lot of us miss it. See, what happens is we get down to $5. And he said, man, this is. This is all I got. I'm, I'm still here. I'm a soldier. I'm a trooper. I'm still pushing through. I'm still fighting through. I'm coming up the rough side of the mountain. But this is all I got left. And don't think that that same judgment ain't going to come for what's left. Because this judgment always comes for what's left till you ain't got nothing left. It's just a matter of time before you ain't got this no more. But he says when you get to the place where, glory be to God, where you get to the place where you begin to lose your offering, your willing desire to praise, bless, and serve the Lord. He said what I need you to do is I need you to begin to howl. He said, no, you, when this happens, you get 
desperate. When you get like this, don't play with it. Don't think it's a vacation that's going to fix it. Don't think it's having a good time that's going to fix it. I need you to get desperate. I need you to howl. I need you to cry. I need you to mourn. I need you to lay between the fast and porch and the altar. I need you to fast. I need you to seek me with that. You are in desperate straits right now. Your eternal life is hanging in the balance and I need you to recognize how desperate your situation is because you ain't got but four dollars left and there's another season of locusts coming. But it says, this is what I need you to do. As you begin to howl, as you begin to mourn, as you begin to understand you ain't going to have a good time out of this. You ain't going to good time your way back. Hear me. You ain't going to have fun your way back. You ain't going to enjoy your way back. We have, you have to howl. You have to mourn. You have to seek. You have to cry. You have to turn your plate down. You will have to have watch nights where you lay between the porch and the altar. You roll on the ground with nothing but water and a towel. said when you do who knows if the Lord will since you returned and repented the Bible says who knows if he'll return and repent in other words what I do God will do draw nigh to God yeah, and he'll draw nigh to you come here and the Bible says who knows if he won't leave a blessing behind here he said now this blessing is not going to come in the form of a car this blessing grab that offering this blessing ain't going to come in the form of a house not a husband not a wife this blessing is going to come in the form of an offering begin to give me my offering back not all of it just give me some Oh my God. Glory be to God. I'm starting to feel my praise again. I'm starting to feel the joy of the Lord again. I'm starting to feel the strength of God. I'm starting to feel the willing part of me again. Glory be to God. Until he gives me more. Oh, there it goes. There goes my midday shout. I remember at 12 o'clock every day, it used to be me and God. I got that back. Thank you for giving my offering back. Thank you for giving me my praise back. Thank you for giving my hunger back. Thank you for giving me my dance back. Thank you that I am glad when they said, yeah, I'm glad again to come to church. Who knows if you'll repent and leave a blessing. My God, give me some more. Look at God. My God, he is a supplier of all of my needs. And you know what God said? You need more than anything else. You don't need me to break through. You don't need me to heal you. You need an offering. Yes, you do. Because do you understand in the Old Testament, I'm about to mess you up. They can only approach God by an offering. Did you know that? God said, don't talk to me until you give an offering first. Don't ask for nothing until you give an offering first. Any interaction with me must be preceded by an offering. And our problem is we ain't got no offering, but we got a whole bunch of asking. God said the reason why I'm giving you your offering back is so I can give you what you're asking for. Because I can't give you what I want to give you until you give me an so 
I'm going to bless you not by giving you what you asked for. I'm going to bless you to bless me at all times. I'm going to bless you to shout. I'm going to bless you to walk in joy. I'm going to bless you to dance for the Lord. I'm going to bless you to be so hungry that you get up an hour before work just to read the Bible. I'm going to bless you to want to fast every week even if the church don't call one. I'm going to bless you to ask for a key to do a lock-in and nobody else shows up. I'm going to give you your offering back. Once I get my offering back. Now God said, give me, give me an offering. And as I give him an offering, he gives me strength. No offering, no strength. As I give him offering, he gives me his voice. No offering, no hearing God. As I give him an offering, he gives me my breakthrough. No offering, no breakthrough. So I'm going to bless you with an offering. I'm about to load you down. I'm going to load you down with so many thank yous. Folks are going to get tired of you saying thank you. I'm going to slap such a smile of joy on your face. You're going to be oily. Oily with joy. You're going to be blessing God so much. When they're ringing up your fruit. And they're ringing up your eggs. You're going to act, they're going to ask for an amount. And you're going to say thank you. And you're going to oops. I've been so big. I'm loaded down with so much offering. That I'm giving God offering. When I'm so, glory be to God. Because God is about to Bless my life. No offering, no blessing. See, our problem is we think we can be anointed with an attitude. Like we're the only ones dealing with something. And we shut down our offering. They would tell you they would get your offering back. I'm getting my desire to pray back. I'm getting my desire to fast back. I'm getting my desire to seek back. I'm getting my desire to serve back. God did not give me something I didn't have. God gave me back. Glory be to God. Stuff the locust, the caterpillar, the palmer. Before we get what God wants to give us next, we need to get back what we already had. Somebody shout return. And I will restore the year that the palmer worm, the caterpillar, the canker worm, and the locust have destroyed. He directly connects With the fourfold attack of the enemy. He said, I'm a it was what they, they ate, but then he says, I'm going to restore the time. So what was it that the caterpillar, the canker worm, the palmer worm, and the locust actually consumed that kept us from giving our offering? Our time. And I will restore the time, the years. Time. Palmer worm, canker worm, caterpillar, locusts had destroyed. How does Satan bring us under the judgment of the locust, the caterpillar, the canker worm, and the palmer worm? 
by influencing us to use our time on things that have nothing to do with God. If you want your offering back, you're going to have to take your time back. What I give my time to is what I give my offering to. No, 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 see, that's why it's so hard to come in here and bless God if you ain't been spending your time out there blessing God. Because what you gave your time to, you gave your offering to. So some of we come in here without an offering. Pocket's empty. I ain't got nothing to give God. What you give your time to, you give your what? If I give my time to Facebook, I'm giving what? You ever do your screen time? Think about it. For, for many of us, we average maybe what? Four to seven hours. How many of y'all get y'all screen time somewhere? Not everybody. Well, I'm, I'm going to be good. Four to seven hours, right? Huh? It's usually about four to seven hours. Let's jump in the middle. Let's just say six. So we do, and that's a week. Six hours a week screen time. Uh, times 52 weeks, 312 hours a year, 312 hours a year divided by how many minutes in a, a day, how many hours in a day, 24, that means I spend a total conglomeratively of 13 days, I went on a 13 day fast with Facebook. Right? And then not to mention Amazon. Come on now. <laughs> Amazon. They get both your offerings. <laughs> your time and your money. Yeah. <laughs> they get it both ways. Yeah. Help Jesus. And they deliver same day. And jokers be acting like they need it the same day. You ain't even need that the same day, but girl. What I give my time to, I give my offering to. Right? What else do we do? What else are we looking for? It's so funny now because you see people who kind of are convicted about their social media time. They're convicted about it but still can't help but do it. So when they're doing it in front of you, they'll turn their phone a little bit. Anybody do that? See anybody do that? Because you don't want people to see that you're actually on. So it's like the reason why the fact that you're turning your phone is proof that you're guilty. <laughs> you're on Facebook. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. How many moments during church do we do it? We got a notification. Add that up. And then we come to God and say, God, I would have prayed more, but I just didn't have. I would have read more, but I just didn't have. Come on. I would have served in church more, but I didn't have. I want you to understand something. You got plenty of time. Hello, somebody. You got plenty of time. But what you spend your time on, you give your offering to. And because you didn't spend no time praising God, we come up in here and we got to work you up into a praise. We got to lather you up. It just isn't on demand. 
But if you've been praising God all day, every day, like God has called us to, it, it's just on demand, man. This is just, let's kick it off. Let's set it off. Let's do what we need to do. When it's time to pray, we ain't got to grease folk to pray because you pray without ceasing. I wonder if there's anybody that heard the word of the Lord. You pray without ceasing. What you give your time to, you give your offering to. That's why God says, I want all of you. Because as long as you're giving me your offering, I can continue blessing your life. God, today, let me pick my money back up. Yeah. Glory be to God. Hey, help me out, would you? Please, sir. Let me pick my money. Say, you go keep it. You got above. I if you keep it, I. No, just let me hold it. Just, he just, how you just going to try to debo me in front of everybody? I'm going to keep it. Why now? All right. Now, watch this, watch this. This, this is what the Lord is saying right now. All jokes aside. All jokes aside. And I'm, and I'm here to tell you. Before I make this altar call, I need y'all to hear this. There are some parts of God's purpose that have zero play in them. There are some parts of God's purpose that we ain't going to laugh at all. Everything we do for God ain't going to bring laughter. It ain't gonna, we ain't going to say we had a good time after we did it. Some of what God has called us to do is completely excluding of play. It ain't going to be no games while we're doing it. You ain't going to want to laugh. But it's still God's purpose. I need y'all to understand that. Because we so bow to the altar of recreation, we feel like if we laugh and have a good time, then God wasn't in it. And it's keeping us out of God. Everything ain't going to be a game. Everything ain't going to be a joke. Everything ain't going to be fun. But it's going to be God. Getting your offering back, you ain't going to get it back with games. Getting your offering back, you're not going to get it back with fun. It'll make you feel better, but you ain't going to get your offering back. You ain't going to get your willingness necessary to continue doing what God has called you to do. That's with zero gain. That's with weeping, with howling, with mourning, with seeking, and with fasting. Period. God called me here today. And he told me, he said, call the people. Give an altar call. Give a prophetic altar call to your people for me to return and give them their offering back. Some of you have been struggling silently, constantly having the spirit willingness of you consume you. The enemy's been even trying to turn you to commercial Christianity. But I'm here to tell you right now that we're not going to do this unless we get our offering back. God will give it back. He said, if you return, I'll give it back. The Lord gave me, he's been giving me prophetic instructions and directions in this season. God says, what I want you to give me, I'm going to give you.
See, that's our problem. We think we're supposed to give God what he's asking us to give, but what God wants us to give him, he actually gives to us. He said, I'm not telling you to give me an offering from your own source. I want you to position yourself where I can give you what I want you to give me. And if you ever get to the place where you can't give me what I want you to give me, that means you're not in position for me to give you what I want you to give me. I give you what I want you to give me. I don't just demand you to praise me. I give you praise. I don't demand you to pray. I give you a praying spirit. We're trying to do stuff out of our own source because we're operating under judgment. God don't work like that. For it is God that worketh in you. Both to will. If I ain't got a will and a desire to do it, then God ain't working in me. But God said today, if you return, I'm going to restore your offering. This is what this is about. It ain't about glamour. It ain't about houses. It's about your offering. Somebody stand to your feet. Watch this. The Lord gave me very, very clear direction. He said, get $40. Pray over those $40. Do this altar call for those who said, God, I want the blessing of an offering. I want the blessing of the offering. I want the blessing of you giving me what you want me to give you. The reason why God blesses us to give him what he wants, give us what he wants to give him, because he ain't asking for a little bit. See, our problem is the reason why we don't feel like we can give it because it's a lot. Because we're trying to give what we got out of our own. God ain't asking for a little bit. He gives us what he wants us to give him because he's asking for everything. And he knows we can't give it. So he gives it to us. He ain't asking for a lot. He's asking for it all. But he gives us an offering. And God said, if you want it, you can have it. But you turn. So God directed, he said, look, get these $40. Every individual, I don't know why God has me in this vein right now. He says, every individual that comes up for prayer, you don't have to come yet. But when you do, give them one of these $40. Give them the offer. Let them know that they're not coming up here to give what they got. They're coming up here to get what I'm demanding them to give me. I need y'all to understand the kingdom of God today so you'll stop trying to do stuff out of your own self and then when you faint, think somebody's asking too much of you. We're going to have to work. Period. But it's God that works in us. Both the wheel. And to do his good pleasure. If I can get one altar worker on this side to come. There's going to come a time when I do examples like this. I'm going to have hundred dollar bills. Because God is going to bless me like that. This what I give you, you keep. It ain't but a dollar now. But it'll be a hundred at one point. It'll be a thousand at another point. Because I know given it shall be given to me. 
Good measure. Press down. Shake it together. And run it over. If you're here today, and you're saying, God, I'm breaking any I'm coming out from any judgment of the canker worm, the caterpillar, the locust, and the pomelo, that which is consuming what's left. I'm repositioning myself into a place to receive from you what you're asking of me. God, give me an offering. It's a blessing we can ask for help. It's a blessing we can ask for breakthrough. But ain't it a blessing we can ask for thank you? I want you to understand how God works today. You can ask God for thank you, and he'll give you one. You can ask God for a Shabbat, and he'll give you one. Because he knows I can give you more the more you give me. And I'm ready to bless you, strengthen you, do everything that you have been praying for me to do. If that's you today, I want you to come. I want you to grab one of those dollars and come and stand. We're going to pray.